Again, great to have you on the show. I would love for people to know a little bit more about, especially if they don't know what the Theology of the Body Institute is. So what is your role at, at TOBI and, and what, what, is, what is kind of the whole enterprise of the Institute, if you can share that with us and our mm. listeners? Sure, sure, sure. Um, oh, man, let me try to microwave this epic story. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're in our 20th year Whoa, of existence wow. right now, which is kind of mind-blowing. I've been with the Institute for probably coming on 18 years. Whoa. So I kind of got drawn in early on. Okay. In the beginning, in 2006, I was um, invited to be one of the first sort of speakers that would open up John Paul II's Theology of the Body for people, and I would travel internationally and nationally. But since 2013, I've been full-time senior lecturer and content specialist. So I get to build out new courses, and I get to do the, the courses that we already teach, some of them, and I continue to travel nationally and internationally to open up this teaching. But we, um, we're a small band. There's about 12 of us, which is pretty cool, very apostolic. <laughs> and uh, our whole mission is really every, everything kind of funnels into bringing people into a retreat course experience, mm -hmm. a five-day immersion into the vision of St. John Paul the Great. And the vision is his, you know, his most epic teaching that defined his papacy in so many ways, this theology of the body, which is also known as the gospel, the incarnation, yeah. uh, the word become flesh. Um, it is the way to view reality. It is how God communicates himself to us. What is his revelation? What is his plan for us? It's life and love communion. Um, so we get to travel and teach at like everybody. We've done, I've done you know, retreats for bishops down to like sixth grade confirmation retreats and everybody in between trying to translate yes. what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? Where are we going? Yeah. And in the midst of the battlefield of my heart right now, how can the Lord's grace make me a saint? Like, how can I realize my full capacity and come alive as a human being? So honestly, um, being with the Institute, this is the dream job for me hmm. to bring in the things I love the most and, and how God moves my own heart. Uh, so that's really it. We, we draw our students in to these retreat encounters with the Lord through this teaching, and uh, it's very life-giving. It's, it's, it feels like a little slice of heaven, and I know we're going to be hosting you guys yes. soon. Yeah. Uh, we love that, you know, come back to Black Rock and yes. just pulling up the drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a horse and buggy <laughs> yeah, delaying exactly. our arrival. <laughs> Watch out for those road apples, as they call them. <laughs> that but is it, it's yeah. It's kind of a... It's a very refreshing um, apostolate in the mm -hmm. sense that it's there's hope. Um, there's all the visions that John Paul II had of like a culture of life, the civilization of love. There's vulnerability and transparency and openness, and everybody just I want to come alive. I want to be what God wants me to be, and I feel safe. Like it's a safe haven where we can reengage with the real. Mm. And I think today in our very disjointed disoriented culture like I, is there something solid i can stand on is there a reality or is it shifting constantly um through the tob the theology of the body i feel like we we are stepping into a space of the real yeah and it just it's it feels right it feels good and god's spirit is very very much here 
Now, Bill, what drew you to John Paul II? Like, what was your first exposure to him? Was it the, the theology of the body? Was it his personality? What, what really drew you to yeah. the whole idea of even being on something like this team? Yeah, great question. I, my, you know, I, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, uh, so I was born in, in 69. So when I was a, a young person, I mean, JP2 was the pope. And he was this, you know, sort of vigorous, dynamic figure. Mm. So my first encounters were sort of, you know, he's on the TV and he's giving a, a talk and he's doing that thing with the fist and he's like <laughs> confronting communism, yes. you know, and abortion. I'm like, wow, this guy's a rock star. Wow. <laughs> but um, my first encounter with, I guess you could say his writing was actually Theology of the Body. Yeah. And it's amazing for me to go back now and think about that. But it was... Uh, it was the divorce of my parents mm. in 1985 that brought my father to his knees and returned him to his Catholic faith. Yeah. Wow! And in that in that brokenness of the family, I my father took my brother and I to a a, a holy shrine to Our Lady of Fatima, and in a bookstore, I see a book called Original Unity of Man and Woman. It was the first publication of Theology of the Body. Wow. This was 1986. And, you know, my parents wow. just, this unity, they just divorced. Yeah. I see a book called The Unity of Man and Woman. So I'm like, I just grabbed that thing, 16 years old. And I, I started to look at it and read little excerpts from it. And so John Paul II has this beautiful, positive vision of life, of love, of man and woman, and of human sexuality. And I'm like, what is, what is that? This mm -hmm. is the poem. Wow. Um, so that really kind of put the, the sort of, uh, soundtrack of T.O.B. into my wow. heart as a teenager. And the vision of God suddenly shifting from sort of this lawgiver, mm. you know, old man in the sky to, wow, he's a lover. Wow, he, he's an artist. And wow, he, he's speaking to me through the created world, and it's beautiful. And I was always drawn to beauty mm. from, this, from a very young age. So yeah, that was my first encounter really with him was through, through the T.O.B. And it was years later hearing Christopher West open it up that returned me and said, oh, yes, this is that, that teaching. <laughs> I had already been enamored with his, you know, his, his works, but now drew me deeper in, and it's just been, uh, it's still there. And it's as fresh as ever. Yes. I oh. I, Prescient, you know, even. My, oh, when you God. read it, you're and like, is he talking about 2024? How does John Paul yes, II know exactly. exactly what's going on in our, under, you know, our messed up understanding of gender yeah. and sexuality? Mm -hmm. It's because it was written... He well he, what didn't he speak it? Was it like a series of speeches? Talks. Theology of the body. Yeah. And it yeah, early nineties. Early eighties. He wrote. Early well, he 80s. wrote the work. Yeah, it's fascinating because he started writing T.O.B. as a cardinal in nineteen seventy. Oh. Whoa. So wow. He, he could see already yes. the culture sort of post-sexual revolution, yes. post-oral contraception, birth control. He could see like everybody kind of like sexuality just getting splintered and splintered yes. from its real inherent meaning. So he finished writing it in 1978 and then he got elected Pope and he felt, <laughs> what a guy. He felt like, hmm. yeah. He's like, hmm, I think I, uh, I think the Lord wants to drop some bombs. Oh, that's on cool. I didn't know that. Now. That's really cool. So yeah. So he translates in the first year of his papacy, he takes the Polish manuscript and translates it into Italian. Okay. Cause he's a beast. And then he, <laughs> 
<laughs> and he breaks it into 135 shorter talks. Wow. But it was a book written at the end of the 70s. So he, he oh. drops it in St. Peter's Square over five years. And people hearing it originally probably like, what is this wow. massive thing? Because, you know, every Wednesday, it's wow. different people. It's like, oh, oh my really? gosh. Right? You're like, oh, why? Yeah. I can't even understand it on the page. <laughs> Really? Right. Now we <laughs> and then back. you're like an Italian tourist. Like, what is you're he, like, what original is he solitude? About? And what is he talking yeah, right? about? Is he talking about sex? <laughs> <laughs> this is inappropriate. Um, but now we look back and we say, aha, he was, he was dropping this master plan, which is a biblical reflection on being human, right? Yes. In the midst of our chaos. And in the midst, I love it, in St. Peter's Square. Right. Mm. Not, not like a, he didn't just publish the book he wrote and put it on a shelf. Yeah. He placed it by words into St. Peter's Square. Wow. And who is in St. Peter's Square? Everybody. Everybody. Catholics, Protestants, Jews, agnostics, atheists. Everybody comes to Rome for its beauty and its art and its history. So he drops it right there for the whole world. Amazing. Yeah, and what I love about Theology of the Body is we're an ecumenical ministry at Desert Stream, and so, you know, we we have as many Protestants, brothers and sisters, and Catholic. And you might hear Theology of the Body, John Paul II, and be like, oh, that's just so Catholic. But when you read it, it's just a biblical analysis. It's just, like, really thoughtful exegesis that's paired with philosophy. But it's not, and mm. no, you know, it's not like, oh, here are all these, like, kind of obscure saints that help us understand the meaning of the body it's not like oh this is a devotion to mary solely and that's where we find our meaning of the body i think some people think like oh this is so catholic and when you read it you're like oh this is just solid analysis of scripture that's what he does he starts he just he just t starts with scripture and we understand our body because of it so i would say to those who are not catholic don't be afraid of it mm. it is good human mm. understanding of sexuality so i think it's perfect that he was also sharing that with catholics and saint peter's but also Plenty of others. I mean, I'm even thinking of a couple of our leaders who love, who have really fallen in love with theology of the body, especially through our partnership with TOB. And they're doing like book studies now with, you know, our bodies tell God's yes. story and just trying to, to mm. kind of take a deeper dive into like, what is this biblical explanation of our humanity? Yeah, yeah the church needs it. Right. Not just the Catholic church, but the church needs. Yeah, the church at yeah. large, teaching. everybody. Yeah, and it, it's uh, I agree with that absolutely. It, it's um, there there is that simplicity that it can be approached and opened by any any believer, any Christian. And then you know I, we often get questions like, well, how do I translate this to my friend who doesn't have a faith? Even there, yeah, you can the basic principles you know mm. that that resonate with every human being, and it doesn't matter. So yes, it, to me, it's it's a golden key, mm -hmm. you know. And I'll just just a couple of those general principles. You know, he'll, he'll stress the point that a person should be loved and never used. Wow. I mean, who the heck can argue with that, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. That, that is true. Um, he has this phrase of the paradigm of gift, that everything in life is absolute gratuitous gift. Mm -hmm. It's not earned, it's gifted. So that that is a positive spin, and we enter into that and say, wow. And so... It's almost like a pre-evangelization, too, entering into the idea that a person is made for love. Every person and thing is a gift. Mm. And you get that very positive foundation, and it's like, and also Jesus came in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate gift, like, oh, wow, and God loves you in and through the body. Oh, wow. So then layers get put on 
And it's like we're getting reconstructed yes. into our true selves after the culture, sadly, has deconstructed us. Wow. So, yeah, again, golden key and, and open hearts who are ready to go. Uh, they're going to find their, their thirst will be slaked here, I think, in the in this POV. In our last couple of episodes here, Bill, on Desert Streaming, we've been talking about the incarnation and the importance of Jesus assuming our sexual human nature and how that is sort of a doorway, a threshold for us to experience mm. um, the power of the redeeming work of the incarnation. In a way, it's like the incarnation appropriates very, to a very particular area, namely our bodies, where we experience so much disintegration. And he, in fact, gives us uh, a share in, in a integration, maybe more than we ever thought possible because of the incarnation. So in a way, could you speak a little of how JP2 writes about the incarnation, how TOB can really, really help us understand this reality of the incarnation mm. and its relation to our own experience of, of sexual and relational brokenness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a great point there, Marco. And it's such a refreshing point, again, because of the spirit of the age right now seems anti-body, yes. anti-theology of the body, almost as if this flesh is, you know, back to use. You know, I can manipulate it. I can change mm -hmm. it. The real me is up here mm -hmm. uh, in my thought. Yeah. And we're, we're really damaging ourselves when we treat our bodies like some sort of luggage that's, you know, or machine parts that can be interchanged. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the TOB, I mean, John Paul II stresses this truth from Scripture that the Word has become flesh. That, and he says, like, Jesus Christ fully reveals man to himself mm. and makes his supreme calling clear. Mm. How does he do that? Not just by saying, you know, I love you and you're good and I forgive you. He becomes a body. Yeah. He enters into time and space. He takes on flesh forever. This yeah. is an amazing thing, right? Wow. That the word has become flesh, not just for 33 years. And like, oh, I cleaned up that mess and now I'm done. <laughs> He, he's embodied forever. Yes. Wow. And also, he, he says to us in our broken bodies or disoriented, wounded bodies, he says, here, this is my body. Mm. Take and eat. This is my blood. Take and drink. And it's like so scandalously insane. We just want like, Lord, just tell me the program or what are your key principles for life? You know, <laughs> yeah. what? What is, what, are the, what is the philosophy that I need to get in my mind? Mm -hmm. This is like, I'm not saying this is my philosophy or this is my program. This is my body. Yes. Mm. And that is such a visceral, I mean, that's the antidote is that he comes mm. to infuse himself into us. So wow. the incarnation is everything. Yes. Yeah. Literally every, and then the, it's the only way, right? Unless you, it's so visceral. Jesus is not playing games, right? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you cannot have life within you. This communion, this kind of consummation, it, it's embodied and it's in the body and there's no other way. So we, we're all we're dealing with our crud. We have all of our junk. And it's, it's like, don't try to escape the body. Mm. We, we say here at the Institute, you can't get to the supernatural by bypassing the natural. Mm. It's in and through the body. So we open our bodies to the saving power of Christ who gives 
us with his body, specifically in the Eucharist, right? And through other bodies, friendships, relationships, right? Fellowship. And that's what will finally still the waters and reestablish the right connections with God, others, myself, creation. These fundamental ruptures from the beginning were all in the body, yeah. right? In the garden, chapter 3, Genesis. Rupture with God, others, myself, and creation. Jesus' body restores us. The word becomes flesh, and we, we enter into that community, and then we're reestablished. There's no other way. It's in and through the body. I know this is challenging, you know, and all of us are in different places and spaces, and, and those who, who listen to this podcast and, and the wonderful work of Desert Stream, we, we know there's work. Yeah. But the thing is, like, we, we know the gift far exceeds to your point marco the the reconnection the re-communion that's going to happen with grace in the lord is so awesome and so beyond anything wow. right when you discover the bridegroom is seeking his lost bride it's like wow this is amazing praise god it's amazing yeah and i mean this is a curveball question but you know I, I love theology of the body so much but i know when i was reading it sometimes there's a dissonance between what should be and what is your reality, which you alluded to. It's like, oh gosh, I know this body and this sexuality mm. is for the good, but I don't feel that. And honestly, other people aren't really reflecting that towards me. And mm. so there can be a despair um, that comes even by reading it and knowing what is true, but maybe sometimes failing to apprehend that for a multitude of reasons. Could you kind of, in the spirit of JP2, kind of give us some hope or consolation for those who, you know, kind of faithful Christians who feel at war with their body and sexuality, maybe not given to the worldly thinking, but reading theology of the body is like, this is great and beautiful, mm -hmm. but I don't actually feel that. What kind of consolation or hope can you, mm -hmm. can yeah. you give us? I know Jesus is the answer, but would, what would John Paul II <laughs> say maybe? Mm -hmm. would, would he have a yeah. response to that? An exhortation yeah. for us. I love, I love the question, Kate. I, I love the, the rawness and the sincerity of the question because, yeah, there's a, that, that's pretty much all of us in a way. Yeah. Like we can hear an idealistic thought, so that's really great. But I'm way over here. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like um, there's so much there, obviously. I mean, going back to our earliest experiences in and through the body, you know, our mother hunger, our father yeah. hunger, going all the way back. There's so much there. And I know your ministry ministers to that. Yes. But um, what would JP2 say about this, about, about the homecoming, mm. about the rediscovery? What would he say? How, how did he do it? I think, and I, I'm sure you both would agree, so much dysfunction and disorientation is, is flowing to, to us through these little stuff. Amen. I mean, uh, you know, one of the Ugh. things like when working with teens or preteens yes. even and parents saying, what do I do? Say, just put this in the toilet and yes. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm not being honest. I'm, that's not really what I think. No, it's so true. Try to, try to, like, here's the thing. You become what you behold. Wow. Mm. You become what you behold, and you are what you eat. And if, if, if this is all that we're eating and drinking and beholding, it's going to shape us. So John Paul's answer from the beginning of his life really was, let me go to the waterfall. Mm. Let me go to the wild. Let me go to creation, which is God's first mm. book, and be still. Mm. And he, he's written beautiful poetry about experiences of, of, in nature. John Paul, too, writing poems about the stream and just asking 
what are you saying to me, mountain stream, as you cascade down the slope here? Wow. What are you speaking to me? That's amazing. And so he, it's his, poet, his poetry is incredible. Oh. He, was, he was writing poems even as a young 20-something as a seminarian, and it was always just, he said something once, I don't want to be mind-manacled. I want wonder. Wow. So open, I would say, mm. be still. Try to enter into the first book of creation. Not not TikTok, not Snapchat, not Instagram. Like, okay, they're, they're, they're nice tools to share things. Great. But every day, drink from that wellspring of scripture, of, of creation. So and what's going to happen is you, all of your dysfunction is going to start bubbling up. Yeah. But then you can you can place it against God's gift. Like, okay, Lord, wow, look at this. Oof. All right, i got to deal with this. I'm not going to run on a TikTok and try to find out the answer because that's not going to help. <laughs> I'm going to listen to bird song. Yeah. I'm going to look at the way the wildflowers grow, right? Which is Jesus's mandate, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's saying in the scriptures in Matthew's gospel, uh, was it chapter six? Look, look at it. Yes. Look at the birds. Look at the wildflowers. That's not, he's not, it's not a Hallmark card. <laughs> it's a mandate from Christ himself to look at creation and you will start to become what you behold. And you'll see the Paschal mystery in creation when you realize that, man, I'm all part of this. Yeah. And I, I just feel like that's one way that's, that's kind of, I've in my teenage angst years way back in the day, 600 years ago. Those were <laughs> some of the experiences that re, reoriented my heart, calmed the turbulence, you know, rest, and they were restorative and refreshing. I, you know, you spend too much time on this, you walk away anxious, yes. more troubled, more vacuous. You're like, ah, I need a nap. But when you go to to creation, you feel in, enlivened, yes. refreshed. That's, 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 that's beautiful. A, that's a, so honestly helpful. a great answer for our listeners, too, because I think, you know, even in the healing world, we're, we're starting to want to find healing through the screen, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to get these series of videos or I'm going to do spiritual coaching online and, you know, which is probably all has its place, of course, but what you're offering is, um, it's one, it's like you said, it's a gratuitous gift from the Lord. So you don't have to have buckets of money to pour into your healing, but there is just like being a created being in the midst of creation and just enjoying that and allowing yourself to be transformed by it. I really like that. You know, it's a kind of like Katie's to Katie's point at the beginning of our conversation, we want our listeners to, to, to become acclimatized to forms of leisure that are really, really good for us, you know, in our brokenness, like what, what's kind of a medicine for me? Uh, because I'm, I'm anxious and I want to run to Apple news or TikTok or whatever it is, you know, yeah. Or Netflix or whatever. Apple News. <laughs> what is but what 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 is a yeah, what's kind people. of a new what's kind of a new thing that I can do that's yeah. that's different and that's gonna gonna feed me. So that's that's brilliant. Yeah, I love can I share a story about the, the course you asked about Please. the yes. beauty course two weeks ago? So um and I love that you said leisure because that became a main thing we started off our week with because we're all so frenetic. And even well-intentioned because we want to be healed, we're like hyperactive about it. Mm-hmm. And we're, we started off our week by looking at the story of Martha and Mary. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, Martha, she's doing good, good stuff, but she's just kind of whirling around, running around, doing, doing, doing. And Jesus' posture is just 
Martha, Martha. When you, when Jesus says your name twice, it's like, whoa. <laughs> oh, no. Right? <laughs> Martha, right? You're anxious and troubled about many, like, basically, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I just want to be with you. Yes. And we feel guilty, right? I mean, we, we feel guilty for, for pausing. Somebody walks by your office and you're just kind of looking out the window. You're all of a sudden like, oh, I was just working on a report. I have to do it. <laughs> like, why, why do we suddenly feel like I can't, I can't take a deep breath and relax? Yes. Hmm. To restore my, my senses and myself. So during the week long, of course, we just did on the way of beauty. We, I was saying the spiritual childhood and the return to wonder was a big theme. And this was, this always happens. And this past time it happened like on steroids. I tell people, share what has moved you in your life. Yeah. And uh, up at the podium where I'm teaching, like throughout the five days, I kept getting little scraps of paper. And students are writing down songs, oh. poems, hmm. books they love. I, get, I got like a pine cone, a little rock. <laughs> Somebody gave me a leaf they found in the woods. <laughs> and I felt like a dad with 90 kids. Yes. You know, yeah. And all the kids are bringing me their treasures. Wow. And... I mean, I can, I start thinking I could be brought to tears about it, Wow! you know, and, and I just felt like, uh, this is the awakening. Yes. They're letting themselves just be. And what's happening? Well, this is just a waste of time. I mean, right. Poems and songs and walking in the woods, a waste of time. Really? <laughs> then we need to waste more time. Absolutely. <laughs> we need to waste yeah. time. I mean, when the woman broke the alabaster jar and the, and the room filled with perfume, you know who complained and said, this is a waste. We could have mm. sold this and helped the poor. Judas. <laughs> Not the best. Judas. So do you want to be Judas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I'm going to call Judas to anyone who says you're wasting time or money. I'm going to tell that. my boss. You're sounding like Judas. I'm telling my boss, who's my father, anytime <laughs> he tells me that I'm wasting time, I'm just going to call him a Judas. I love that. That's good. <laughs> You Judas. You Judas. It's true, right? It's no, so true. It's so true. Yeah, and I, I think of my, you know, my wife likes to hang out outside and Gosh. stuff. I'm not one to, you know, I'm not one like, oh, let's go on a nature walk. I really am not. You know, I rather. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> and the people driving, listening to this podcast, crash into the median <laughs> that Marco Casanova what? is not. Oh a macho God. mountain man. I'm <laughs> like, shocked. oh, let's go and cut lumber. It's like I don't cut I, lumber. Yep, that, that's it. Nailed it. Cut lumber. I was like, I'm like, I'd rather watch like a Netflix series. <laughs> uh, okay, this is this uh, is getting. I'm getting a little bit too vulnerable. I can't. Here. I don't. Yeah. No, but what Bill, I don't like him. Bill, help me. Are you also uh, Katie, a therapist? I don't like more. Katie wants a new job at the TUB. Yeah, are you hiring? I have little skills, but I'm good at leisure. Oh, <laughs> I can okay. model leisuring. Katie is our I'm a model leisurer. leisurer. <laughs> I'm leisurer in uh, residence, please. No, but you, you provide a convincing argument, yes, you know? Yes, absolutely. That we got to get out and, you know, leisure maybe slightly differently than we're, we're used to. You know, I like that. Yeah, and what I liked that you said about being outside and nature is that it's kind of a reminder of who we are, a reminder of sort of the mm. importance of our body, the yeah. reminder of our place in this beautiful creation. And when I think of like 
the phone and social media, it's a reminder of what you're not. It's sort of these images, like you're just like, this is not who I, I'm not this. I don't have this friend group. I don't have this life. And when you put that down, you're like, oh, this is who I am. All like good leisure reminds us of who we are, not who we aren't. And I think that's so helpful. I know for me, that's, so helpful. I'm like, oh gosh, I do need to get off my phone. You know, because you do, I mean, I love the Hallow app, but it's like all these great devotional things are on these phones and it's the great yeah. catch 22 of the modern age. It's like, well, this is so good and this is <laughs> devotional and I can do all my, all the rosaries that yeah. I pl- pray. I'm always praying a rosary. Um, and it, but it's on my phone. So it's like, why don't I just put that away and like use a book or, or something? Really go rosary. outside and read a book <laughs> or use a rosary, not like a digital, a digital rosary. Let me share. Can I, can I share one more thing? Oh, please. Bill, you can share whatever yeah, you you're... want, brother. <laughs> Go for Excellent. it. Okay. All right. My favorite breakfast cereal when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm like, yes, um, go. Cocoa Pebbles. Yeah. There's Fruity Pebbles, by the way. <laughs> Fruity Pebbles? Fruity Pebbles. Wait, are you Cocoa Pebbles? Go. Oh, yeah. I want the chocolate milk at the end. That's crazy. Yeah, you get a little you could drink chocolate milk. Yeah. I mean, do, I guess you could drink the fruity milk. Great byproduct of it. That's a different story. <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> fruity milk. Marco right now is like, can we go back to nature? <laughs> can we go back to my Netflix series and cutting <laughs> lumber? <laughs> but back to your point, Katie, about the, the phone. And again, mm. the problem is we're being possessed by our possessions. Yes. We are being possessed by our possessions, and we have to like mm-hmm. get the hierarchy back, yes. turn into anarchy. But when the COVID, um, sorry to bring up the C word, but when COVID came <laughs> years ago, I remember I, I, I would, I would pray. You know, we have um, four; all four of our kids are adopted, oh. and so mm-hmm. I'd pray these generational healing prayers and mm-hmm. prayers of deliverance and protection every day as a father, mm-hmm. uh, mindful of the of the, you know, the whole we have eight birth parents flowing, you know, their gifts yes. yeah. of their children flowing through the home. So there's a lot going on there and a lot of mystery. Mm. But I'd be praying certain prayers from a book, certain prayers that were in my phone. And um, I decided to start writing out my prayer in a journal, mm. a paper blanks journal. And as I started doing that, so now every day it's, it's, it's about 20 minutes or so of these prayers of deliverance and protection that I've handwritten. And I kind of went medieval monk illuminated manuscript like i my art came back and it went but i have to say like that practice and now i'm still building out that prayer drum doing it for for years now coming to four years it's made my prayer so much more incarnational and i as i write out the words the prayers i write my the children's names in there i have images of my children I, i illuminate all around it with the things they love. Wow. It's become such a, such a, um, incarnational project. Wow. If pre- printing feels different now, mm. wow. um, and it's gotten me off. Like, yes, the phones are great. And you can have a ton of devotion. They're great. Hello is great. But, um, there's just something about texture yes. of a page and the turn. And there's only one thing I'm looking at. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with the phone, like, you get on with, but like I'm gonna go on Hallow, and like 25 <laughs> minutes later, why did I open my phone up? Oh, Hallow! You know, I always end up on Amazon every Hallow session. I'm like, okay, let me do this. 45 minutes, I'm Gosh, in. They're, they're like, oh, I need, I need dog food. Ooh, what do I need? What is in my car? It's, yep. it's a direct route from Hallow. Maybe they're in indoors. cahoots. <laughs> it's an indoors box. It truly it's is. Yes. Box. And when you unlock it, it, again, it's a neutral thing. It's a tool, but yes. it opens. 
a whole nest of stuff. Yes. And I think the Lord is, you know, he, he wants us to be whole, not splintered and fragmented. And so we have to f- figure out these like intentional times to use it yes. and then say, now I'm boom. Um, and the, the new updates with focus is great. Like you can put on focus and mm-hmm. you don't get all the pop ups. Mm-hmm. But just being intentional, being in charge, like I, I'm the crown of creation. I'm a human being made mm-hmm. in God's image. <laughs> These are tools that can be great, yes. but I, I'm going to lead here. Yes. There's a hierarchy. Yes. I'm not going to be led by, I'm not going to be possessed by my possessions. That and that restoration, man, that feels good. Mm-hmm. It, it feels right and good. And it is. Yes. And I think we have to reclaim it. 